you know, for us, the first week or two was hurry up and get everything online and, and survive. Well, after we realized it wasn't just survival, the church is not meant to survive. It's meant to thrive. And so now that we're online, it's okay. We can't just have a goal of surviving every week. What, what does it mean to thrive online? Hey everyone, welcome to the Missing Voices podcast. This is Justin Forbes, your host. You are listening to an episode within the Youth Ministry and COVID-19 series. Our goal with these couple episodes is to lift up the reality of youth ministry in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. And for this episode, we have decided to bring together a few people that we've interviewed uh, and people that are just like yourself. These are youth workers on the front lines, in churches, in parachurch organizations that are trying to figure out how do we do this work of youth ministry right here, right now, in the midst of the coronavirus and the quarantine and all that that means. So I hope this is a gift for you. You will hear from folks just like yourself, maybe their first year of ministry, maybe 20 years in. Uh, We tried to talk to a bunch of different folks from around the country with different levels of experience uh, and just get them to share with us what's going on in their worlds of doing this work together. All right, let's get into it. Okay, we've got Dustin Agard, the family pastor from Journey Christian Church in Orlando on the phone with us here. Thanks, Dustin, for jumping on. Um, Are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Cool, cool. I thought we lost you for a second. So Dustin serves as the family pastor at Journey Christian Church. Uh, He has a passion for leadership development in the church and in the marketplace, and he runs this incredible residency program at their church there, helping people grow into their vocation and and live out their calling. Uh, And he's always looking for ways to serve the Central Florida community. Uh, He's got a bunch of kids. He loves watching sports, which he's not doing any of that right now. Or Dustin, are you like watching all the replays of like big games or something right now? Are you doing that? I'm not, I'm not doing that. As a matter of fact, uh, three days ago, I bought a basketball hoop. And so we're, we're playing sports more than watching it now in our house. (laughs) <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I Every time the boys walk downstairs, they see like a soccer game on and they're like, what? Is somebody playing? And I'm like, no, this is like five years ago. <laughs> uh, so anyways, cool. Well, so Dustin is a longtime youth minister and now oversees youth ministry and children's ministry and, and family ministry at Journey Christian Church in Orlando. Uh, and so Dustin, we just wanted to jump on the phone with you in the midst of this weird time, uh, this COVID-19 pandemic time. I, I, I can't wait to see like in 10, 20 years, are we going to look back at this time and say that everything changed or like what the degree of, of impact this will have? I think that's going to be fascinating. But um, anyways, we wanted to talk about the context of youth ministry in this moment. And so I'd love to just start by, you know, what do you see happening in the lives of, of young people or families? And uh, what do you see taking place for them right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a mix. I don't think there's one stamp of thought. I think some kids think that this is the best spring break ever. And I think some some kids are really wrestling with certain thoughts. And so I think for the 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 volunteer or the staff member that works with youth, I think it's really to be stay close enough, connect with your kids to figure out exactly what it is they're processing and how they're processing it so we can best minister to them. Um, right. I think back through 2009, 
where the last you know economic crash was and it was reported around the nation it was the highest reported rate for uh, school clinics in the history of schools that kids were coming in sick with belly aches and all this and it was really simple it was because parents were were taking the stress that they had and they were transferring it on to their kids right and i think it's important for us to be mindful that 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 can and is happening in some homes not every home um but uh definitely happening in some homes and so how do we not just help kids but how do we help parents have a healthy outlet and a healthy small group and and how are we shepherding them so they're not transferring everything onto kids because kids are not hardwired to be able to handle the stress that a mom and dad uh, experience. Right. Wow, that's fascinating. So uh, maybe one part of doing youth ministry right now is not just trying to stay connected to kids or to young people, but might be just to name that very thing you just said. Like, you know, I'm sure that my wife and I are doing that to some degree. We're taking this stress or this like low grade anxiety. At least it's low grade for us right now. And we're transferring that onto our kids. So even just in you saying that makes me want to stop and reflect and say, how what, how might we be doing that? That would be, that's interesting. How would you want to do that with parents? Like, would you do that like on a video or a phone call or, or like, how would you imagine inviting parents to sort of look at that and reflect on that? Yeah, I think a lot of times all of us are, are the same. I think a lot of times we just need to vent. And, and most often if we just vent to one person, it's almost kind of like, all right, we're good to move on. And if you don't have that one person, then that one person is in your home. And and sometimes it's a kid. Sometimes it's to another parent with the kid right there. And so one thing we're, we're just setting up is different parent Zooms, you know, just getting eight parents in a Zoom call and uh, and really just a little bit of Bible study. But a lot of it's just, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? Share, share your wins, your, your hurts. You know, Romans uh, 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And yeah. I think right now uh, we need to do that. I think right now it's just pulling up a chair next to parents and kids and just saying, okay, are you rejoicing right now? Let me rejoice with you. Or is right. it hard for you right now? Let me, let me mourn with you. And, uh, and so really kind of just creating platforms for them to, to just speak and, and for us to listen and, and give a, a source of encouragement and hope and really remind them we all have a sense of spiritual authority. Now's the time that we need to utilize that spiritual authority and remind them of the word of God, of the hope, of the encouragement, of, of what the hope of the resurrection is all about. And right. uh, now's the time for us to shine more than ever. Wow. Yeah, I love that idea. I, I love the idea of, uh, I mean, on some level, we have to have our head on a swivel kind of thing, right? Like we have to get onto a call and realize that some people might be dealing with this uh, and it might be really difficult and other people, it might not be as big of a deal. Um, and I guess some of this depends on where you are, right? Like <clears throat> we'll have a couple conversations with folks up in the Northeast in New York City and then and around there that this is like a very different experience for them. Uh, than it is for me here in St. Augustine or you down in Orlando. Um, and so you never know quite what you're walking into, uh, but that ability to really be able to rejoice or to mourn and to be open to both, that'd be pretty, that'd be a pretty big deal. What do you think you're learning? Like, you know, there's this big rush to get back to normal. And I wonder, uh, sometimes we need to reflect on what parts of normal are worth rushing back to. 
Um, what do you think you're learning about yourself, whether you want to learn it or not, <laughs> or ministry or the church? You know, is there anything that's, yeah. that jumps out to you as like, wow, this is really revealing something? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. When it comes to the church, I think one of the things that, you know, the first week or two of going through this, and, and I'm here in Orlando, so we've been we're, we've been hit a little bit harder, and I think we'll continue to get harder than most people. This is where people use discretionary money. And so, uh, so we've been going through this maybe a week or two earlier than, than the national average. And, um, you know, for us, the first week or two was hurry up and get everything online and and survive. Well, after we realized it wasn't just survival, the church is not meant to survive. It's meant to thrive. And so now it's, now that we're online, it's okay. We can't just have a goal of surviving every week. What, what does it mean to thrive online? And so we're asking questions and we don't have a lot of answers. But we're asking questions like, what does a win look like online? What what are we praying for online? And so we go into every weekend normally with specific prayer requests and and that things that we're looking for. Well, if we're not defining the win and if we're not praying specifically, now we're just kind of wasting time. And that's not the way the church is meant to operate. So we're really trying to redefine what does a win look like, redefine what are we praying for, and letting that really shape our focus. Wow. What do you think the win looks like right now? Yeah, I think one uh, one win is, and, and for me, if you take away all the pain, if you take this, this uh, comment out of context, it may mess up, but if you take away the pain, the sorrow, the heartache, the sickness, uh, if you take that away, I think this can be one of the greatest moments for the church because it's stripping away a lot of things that, I think we we put into the church um, with good intentions, but right. maybe maybe not be actually helping uh, fulfill the Great Commission, what Matthew twenty eight is calling us to do. And so I think the win is really connecting relationally with it with people. And right. um, you know, uh, for us, even we've just taken every single one of our widows in our church and we call them every single week and checking up on them. Well, that's wow. a great practice, even if we weren't going online. Why did right. we wait till we did that online to right. do that? And so right. there are some things that we're realizing, like, for example, uh, just last night, I'm a dad. I have two teenage kids. And last night, their small groups met. And I'm overhearing both of them talk about their small groups on Zoom. Huh. And it's like, listen, as a, as a pastor, I hope we reach thousands of kids. But as a dad... All I want to know is, is there somebody that's leading my kid closer to Jesus that notices him, that cares about her, that's praying for her, that's leading him? At the end of the day, that's all I care about as a dad. And I think it's getting back to some of those things to where we're saying, listen, at the end of the day, all that matters is helping leaders connect with students and point them to Jesus. And and everything else is is kind of on pause and maybe permanently taken away. And so that's kind of, you know, uh, one of the wins. And then we're just looking at engagements. We're looking at how are we connecting? How are we bringing uh, leaders and student leaders along and not just doing it all on ourselves, but how are they, how are they leading? How are they engaging? Um, and then just on the prayer side of things, thinking through, you know, what are our specific prayers? Like I want our team to be praying specific prayers. One prayer I have is I want to see a dad baptize his son or daughter in a pool. Yeah, hmm. I want to see a student lead another student to Christ digitally. 
I want to see some students start their own Bible study online. So what are we praying for? Um, and when it's when it's specific prayer requests, God God loves to answer those because that's when He gets the most glory. And so uh, that's what I would encourage anyone out there listening: really pray specifically in the season what you're asking God to do. Very cool. What's something like super practical that has been helpful uh, as you've made this transition from you know gathering in in a building or in a place together to online? I mean, I know. Uh, I saw that Zoom has gone from like 10 million users to like 200 million users in like a week and a half, you know, so I think uh, Zoom is all over the place. But what are some practical or maybe just like one practical idea that you have found to be pretty helpful or that's helping you really accomplish these goals that you're that you're talking about? Yeah, I think um, I think Facebook is a game changer. Um, I'm not saying do everything and anything on Facebook, but two things on Facebook. One. Uh, I highly encourage you, if you're not on a Facebook group, go to some youth ministry Facebook groups. There is nothing new under the sun, and the creativity and the thoughts that, that are being poured out from so many different voices is great. So I would say get connected to a Facebook youth ministry group. And the second thing I would say is uh, like one of the things we've done is we've taken our entire database for family ministry where, where kids and students will check in, and we cross-reference that with our own Facebook groups. And huh. so anybody that was not in a Facebook group from our database, which was a ton of people, we started inviting them, just logging in and going to, to John Smith and inviting him to join our, our parent Facebook group, our student ministry Facebook group. And the amount of engagement and conversation just through that one tool has skyrocketed. And I imagine, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like I can hear my college students right now saying, well, we're really more on Instagram, but the truth, I mean, that would be true for Instagram or some other different platforms, but for you, you're working with a lot of parents in that way. Um, and, and people our age are still on Facebook. <laughs> so keeping us connected. So the two things I hear you saying there is like connect people uh, using social media uh, you know, platforms, but then also like lean on that community for ideas uh, because so many people are putting up what they're doing and what's, what seems to be uh, you know, working and, and how they're doing things. So I love that. Okay. Uh, to close our time real quick here, what would be a blessing or an encouragement that you would have for youth workers who might be listening to this? Yeah, I think, um, when you look at Paul and when you look specifically at Philippians 1, 12 through 16, Paul talks about this idea. He says, I'm in chains. I'm experiencing hardship, but it's okay because the gospel is advancing. Hmm. And he makes this whole petition that whatever happens to him doesn't matter because the gospel is advancing. And then he goes on to address that there are some people that um, that are sharing the gospel or that are getting attention, and, and yet he doesn't care if their motives are impure. He's just glad that the gospel is being preached. And I think we have, uh, with all of us moving online, we get to see everybody else's ministry more so than ever. Hmm. And I would encourage us to celebrate what we see our brothers and sisters doing and, and really avoid the, the negativity or the judgmental spirit. This is the greatest opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel in the history of the world. And more than anything, I think we need is we need to become cheerleaders of one another and really cheer on the capital C church as we see people winning. And I, I think 
God has uh, put you in this season, in this community for a reason. I would say just continue to give hope. That's what you're doing. That's your whole goal is to continue to give hope and the love of Christ and uh, and stand firm with him. And uh, and that's what I would encourage youth pastors all around, youth leaders all around to do is continue to point kids and volunteers to Jesus. I love it. I love the idea of, uh, you know, always wrestling with the idea of what does it mean to one another well, to love one another, to be for one another. And part of what you're saying there is take a moment to cheer on one another. Um, I have, have had a couple conversations recently where people uh, realize that the people who are doing ministry, like the caretakers, there are very few people taking care of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so in a very meaningful yet sort of approachable and manageable ways, we really could just shoot a text or give a phone call or whatever to another youth minister in our town or to somebody that we've done some things with in the past or or even somebody that we're not as familiar with and just acknowledge like, hey, I know these are crazy times. Uh, you know, hang in there, man. Like this, this really matters right now or some sort of encouragement. That's a cool idea that one aspect of one anothering would be to encourage other youth workers and to avoid this sort of comparison thing and uh, stay out of that trap. So I love it, man. Thank you, Dustin, for jumping on here. Appreciate your time and uh, hang in there. Stay safe. Give your wife and kids a hug for me. Talk to you soon, buddy. See ya. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, we've got Mac Nolden on the phone here with me. Mac, are you there? I am here. Mac. Mac is the Director of Youth Ministry at Florence First United Methodist Church, currently a graduate resident at the Center for Youth Ministry Training, and is working on a master's degree from Memphis Theological Seminary. She graduated from Flagler College in 2019 with a degree in hospitality and tourism, but maybe most importantly, a minor in youth ministry. Am I right, Mac? You're right. I think it's the most important. It is the most important thing. Mac is one of my students from uh, from just last year and from last couple of years. We love some Mac. Mac is so great. <laughs> Mac's in her first year of full-time ministry. Um, and so Mac, clearly, I mean, let's just be honest here. You were completely prepared to do youth ministry in the midst of a pandemic. Am I right? That's all they train us for. That's, that's right. <laughs> So, Mac, you are um, you signed up for this. It's it's 100% what you were prepared for and thought you'd be doing. Said no one ever. And so you're in your first year of ministry. Uh, you get a couple months in and boom, it's all shut down and everyone's supposed to shelter in place. And that's crazy. So I guess where I'd like to begin is, can you share with us, what do you see happening in the hearts and minds of, of young people? What is this look like for folks in your town? What do you see out there? I think as much as I was confused when this all happened, we saw that a lot with them um, and the students in my youth group. So the Sunday that everything ended up shutting down, I had a student come up to me in church and she was like, are we going to meet tonight? And I said, yes, we're going to meet as long as they let us. And then literally 10 minutes later, we had a meeting with the church board and they were like, we're shutting everything down. Um, And so there wasn't really a buffer and we didn't get to say there was no amount of closure, I guess, or transition. And so I think with them, we're seeing that just the lack of communication left them kind of in a lurch where they don't know what's happening. And so they're looking to the church to see what's happening, but the church doesn't know what's happening either. 
Um, and so there's kind of this mix of confusion. But I think even though there's that, I think it's been healing for them. The feedback that I'm getting is that the time at home has given their families a chance to adapt to being together full time or office hours or school time or whatever they're doing at home. But they're also doing family things. They're watching shows as a family. They are doing puzzles as a family. They're doing games as a family. And so I think for the family unit, what I'm seeing in my church is that the family unit has not like ever been stronger, I think. Wow. So they're, they're sort of left. Uh, I mean, everyone's been disoriented in a way and left to figure out what the heck is happening. But the other side of that for your folks has been some really cool quality time together. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that, I think that the confusion has been met with just adaptability and creativity and growth from them. And so I'm really proud of my students for that because we have a young group, but I don't know, they were so quick to adapt. That's cool. That's really cool. What has been, what's been particularly challenging about this time for you? I mean, like you, I remember you got to the church and you started, you know, mapping out your curriculum and thinking about what you're going to do and making plans for everything. But uh, now obviously everything changes and you need to figure out how to be doing youth ministry in this sort of time and place. I mean, your calling to ministry doesn't change. It just has to adapt. So what's been particularly challenging for you right now? Um, well, I think the fact that I couldn't do youth ministry in the way that I spent my whole undergrad preparing for and then my first semester like refining was the hardest part. <laughs> so like no amount of Oops. calendaring Sorry. or budgeting <laughs> or like curriculum planning really prepared me for this. And so yeah. I just got like my bearings and then it was like, boom, training wheels off. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and so I think I had to learn how to adjust and to hold things really, really lightly. And that's hard when the things that you're holding are like supposed to be concrete tenants of youth ministry, you know, right. we have these milestones and I was like checking milestones off and feeling really proud. And then this happens. And I guess like the, like the only thing that really, really pulled me through that was that I had spent a lot of time in the fall investing in my students. And so the relationship like stayed while all of these other things like kind of like lurched and uh kind of crumbled a little bit so and I think the other thing is that we we started this all out and we didn't know how long it was going to last and so there was this mad dash and like a real like sprint like out of the gates and then as we settled in it was like oh gosh this is going to be so much longer and so the things that I was doing weren't super sustainable long term but I wanted to keep everybody connected and so I worked really, really hard and like way more than I was supposed to trying to set these things up. And then it was kind of like, I've got to ease off because this is going to be, you know, more of a marathon than it is a sprint. Wow. You know, that's interesting. I haven't heard that from folks yet. The idea that, you know, in the immediate response, I think we all sort of rush to figure out how do we keep everything together? How do we, how do we come up with a plan? But then you have to settle into some kind of routine, right? I mean, like, uh, there's like that first week or two where it's sort of novel and like, you know, things uh, you, you're over responding in a way. So what does that look like for you to settle into a routine now and to be a little more sustainable? Um, I think for us, it's just been narrowing down our channels of communication 
And so we're like doing Zoom and GroupMe and we have like a youth page Instagram and that's it. We're not introducing new things all the time. So, yeah, so at the start, yeah. I was like, well, let's get on Marco Polo and that will be fun. But we already have the group me, and so we don't really need to do that, I guess. So narrowing down the channels and then being intentional with the channels that we are using. So like that's great. quality of the channels versus like quantity of the channels. Very cool. Very cool. What about a challenge in this for you personally? I mean, like you've moved to this new town. You've been there for less than a year. Um, what, how's that look like for you? I think just anytime you're stripped of your calendar, you're confronted with a lot of time with yourself. Yeah. And I already had that. Um, and so just a lot of time figuring out, you know, this is either going to bring out the best in me or the worst in me. And then I think I found myself avoiding Sabbath because I felt like I had so much time and then not enough time to adjust. And so the, yeah. the thing that I do is I, I, I like flood from Sabbath because I was afraid with what I would find in that stillness. There's like already so much stillness that like permeated my life because of this. Yeah. And then just having more on Sabbath, I was really afraid of what I would find there. So Mac, what'd you find? Um. <laughs> How's that been for you though? I mean, like the funny thing is as people listen to this, they, they probably don't. Uh, or maybe, well, of course they wouldn't know, but like you just came, le- you know, maybe a month and ago, uh, a month and a half ago to the youth ministry forum at Flagler where Nate Stuckey was the keynote speaker speaking on Sabbath. I find this to be so incredibly ironic that he was speaking to sort of like all of our people, all of our Flagler people about Sabbath. And then like just weeks later, like the world shuts down, you know? And so... Um, whether people embrace it as Sabbath or run from Sabbath within that that stillness, um, we had just been working on this together. Yeah, and I feel like I just got it, like we've been working on it within like CYMT. We have spiritual formation classes. So we've also been working on Sabbath and I feel like I had just gotten it to a point where it was not a day off and it was kind of a true Sabbath. And mm. I was being really practical And one of the things I do on my Sabbath is I like turn my phone off uh, Mm -hmm. because I found that it leaves me wanting if I'm on my phone on my Sabbath. And so I, and then we get into this period where I feel so disconnected and I was trying to really cling to that again. And so Mm. I just spent a whole semester like weaning myself off my phone on my Sabbath and then this happens. (laughs) Yeah. So that was really hard. Um, Oh, Mac. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's it is hard. That's great. Thank you for sharing that stuff. I mean, I think that we're all wrestling with what Sabbath looks like right now and and it's odd too because a big part of Sabbath is to go and worship with the people that we love and with our communities and we're doing that, but we're doing it in a very different way and um mm-hmm. and that's challenging. So Okay, what about like a sign of hope or signs of life or like a resurrection sort of moment? I mean, it's 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 fascinating to me that we had Holy Week and Easter and and sort of the majority of Lent within this um, shelter in place reality. But what have you seen around you that is beautiful or hopeful? I think anytime something extreme happens, you kind of see people's behavior change, and so for some people that means like they become 
kinder and more gracious and more attentive and more creative and all of those things. And so, but we also see people who become more irritated or fearful or selfish. And so then I've had this time to figure out which of the two that I am. And so what are my days reflecting that I am? And I think that that's been, been really good for me because I am feeling stretched and I am feeling tired and I miss the physical presence of being with my people. And I don't know, my sleep has been really weird during this yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that God is asking us to reject this season just because it's painful. And so my sign of hope there is just, this is a time of, I think, sanctification. I think the Holy Spirit is refining us. I think God is still with us. And I think that it can be messy and weird and purposeful for our spiritual lives. And I see this especially with with my students in the ways that they are finding to serve the community and serve their gifts and that kind of thing. And so wow. I think it's I think it's good for us. What's an example of your young people using their gifts? Like I love that idea. Like can you think of an example that you could share? Yeah, so one of my girls, she is in 8th grade. And she actually has started um, a macaron delivery service during this time. So she is making like French macarons and then she is like delivering them to people in our community. Seriously. And so, yeah, that's crazy, right? (laughs) That this is like a great time of entrepreneurship in a pandemic. But like seriously, she has a lot of time to bake. And so she's doing it and then she delivers them. And they're amazing, by the way. Um, You have my address, right? Yeah, well, I don't think they deliver that far, but I'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, so that's cool that's because so cool. she takes the things she's passionate about and the time that she has. And it's and, and I think so often we're like, oh, our kids are just staring at our screen all day. And that's not the case. They're finding uh-huh. creative ways to adapt. That is so cool. It sounds like you have some really um, some wonderful people that you're hanging out with. I bet you're loving that. Um, what is a, like, give us a practical tool that has been helpful. I mean, you've already mentioned a little bit of just like focusing in within a few channels of communication and, and sort of getting tighter with that rather than going broad, but what's another sort of practical tool that has worked for you or that seems to be helping you do the things that you're wanting to do as we kind of get back to the core of youth ministry, what are practical tools that are helping you do that? I want to start this by saying that there's a ton of resources out there and everybody is sharing resources and how to stay connected. But I think the most important thing is to still treat your students as individuals and not a collective online entity. So when you're on Instagram, like they're not your online following, they are your students. And so not losing sight of that just because we've switched to online things. Um, And so for me, what works for my students is really giving them opportunities to be silly and goofy and to show up as themselves. And that's been a huge tenant since I got here. And so how do we carry that into what we're doing now? And so what I've been doing is probably every two weeks, I will deliver something to their house um, and I'll leave it on their front porch and I'll text them and I'll say like, you've got blank. And so one time we did popcorn and the popcorn had an invitation to join our online game night and we used Jackbox games over Zoom and I screen shared. Um, and that was cool because we're larger than eight and a lot of the games are only eight, but they would join teams with each other or they would take turns or we would do like this hour we're doing middle school and this hour we're doing high school. Um, and then the week after 
when Easter was coming up, I did an Easter peep challenge. And so I dropped peeps off at their house and I said, hey, you've got four (laughs) days to make an Easter scene out of these peeps. Submit it to me. We'll vote on them. Um, And so that's kind of what we're doing. And so they're having opportunities and outlets and obviously snacks, I guess, popcorn and peeps. So (laughs) Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing over here. And that seems to be working well because I can see them through their screen doors and, and then they're engaged. So Mac, I gotta say like, um, the primary emotion I'm feeling right now is like sort of pride. Like you sound like you're doing really well and you sound like you're figuring things out and like, man, like, uh, let's just go ahead and tell everybody like you're a a Flagler grad. You're kind of (laughs) like, you're like, you're the kind of person we hope to send out into the world. All those things, Mac. Good Lord. It sounds amazing. Thank you. Uh, Okay. Well, why don't we close our time together with you offering a blessing or a benediction or an encouragement of sorts to your colleagues. I mean, I, I want you to be thinking about a hundred other Macs out in the world, even though there's only one, uh, but a hundred other, you know, youth ministers uh, that are in their first year or other youth workers that are in a couple years in. And, and of course, nobody took the class on youth ministry in a pandemic, though we might make one. Um, and yeah. And then of course, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what are the core, most important things of who we are and how in the world do we do them now? But um, yeah. So what sort of closing thought would you want to share? I think it's it's a given that these days are full of uncertainty and anxiety, um, but I think what we're seeing is that these days are also full of immense blessings. And so it's easy to feel, I think, that God has forsaken us in this time, um, but He is near and He is still in that still small voice and He is leading us to peace among the chaos. And And I think it's important to say that the world feels like it's falling apart and we don't have to fall apart with it because God has a million little things in store for this season, for your church, for your students. And I am so excited to see what they are and to hear about what they are. Amen to that, Mac. And uh, I would echo that right back to you to say that it's been really fun to hear some of the ways in which God has been present with you during this time and with your students. And um, so I think we should do this sort of a checkup uh, with one another again in a couple weeks, maybe not necessarily on a podcast, but why don't we get on the phone in a couple weeks and just check in? Cause this has been really cool to hear what you're up to and what the world is looking like for you. And my guess is you might have time to talk to me. I definitely have all the time. <laughs> yes, that sounds great. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, Mac. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Uh, you have a wonderful day. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Bye. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Missing Voices podcast. I hope that this focus on youth ministry in the midst of this pandemic uh, was helpful to you in some way. I hope that there was maybe even just one moment during this last episode, maybe the benediction or, or, or the signs of hope, uh, something that was a gift to you and maybe helps you carry out your work uh, that you have before you. You can follow what we're up to at missingvoices.flagler.edu, missingvoices.flagler.edu, and we hope that you are well. The work you are doing is incredibly important, and we want to figure out ways to be a part of that with you. Take care.